Welcome to Blessings in Christ. I'm Scott Roberts. We are also the Church of Christ, preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We have a, a wonderful inspirational lesson today by Brother Phil Bentley from the New Carlisle, Ohio Church of Christ. And the lesson is giving our best to God. We ask that you also like us on Facebook and please visit our website at blessingsinchristradio.com. Thank you. Three men in agony Two cried out for mercy And the third man looked at me And all oh, the hurt in this man's eyes It just broke my heart in two It seemed that I could hear him say I'm doing this for you. I knelt beneath the third man's cross and slowly bowed my head. I reached out to touch his feet and it stained my hands with red. And when I'd heard him crying in pain, I raised my eyes to see The blood spilled from the third man's side And some of it spilled on me The third man wore a crown of thorns And spikes held him to the tree I heard him say, oh my God my God, hast thou forsaken me? And there within the mighty crowd, the ones who mocked him cried, King, save thyself if thou art king. And then the third man died. Suddenly I heard the thunder roll, and saw the lightning pierce the sky. The third man was still hanging there, and I began to cry. I saw the boulders fall, and heard the breaking of the ground. Then I awoke, and though I dreamed, I touched my cheeks and found my eyes were away where I had cried. 
But a question I got to ask everybody here this evening is what is holding you back or keeping you from being all you can be in Christ? Have you advanced in the church and still advancing? Or are you stale? Or have you stalled out? Is there another position you can do or hold in the church? Or is there something you can help with in the church? As a Christian, we are constantly striving to be like Christ. Let's take a look in our Bibles over in 1 John, starting in chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. That's 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So see there in verse 5 that we just read it says that we keep the word that the love of God is perfected in Christ. And we are in Christ. And in verse 6 is basically saying to us not only to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. We are to let our actions also speak for us. We can influence others by, by not only what we say, but also what we do, and by following the examples and ordinances given to us here in the Bible. Now let's look further here in, in this chapter, here in 1 John chapter 2, starting with verse 7. We'll look at verse 7 down to 17. And it goes on and says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which we have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother, is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, 
because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what John is trying to tell us is that lusting after the world and worldly things does you no good. It does you no good because the things of this world passes away, and so does the things that you lust after. Have you heard of something having a shelf life or something having an expiration date? That's the world. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The word of God lives forever. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's going to be the same tomorrow. Forever. So we're to put away the lust and the thoughts of worldly things and strive for heavenly things and those things that will get us there. Remember what it says over in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. That's John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. Starting with verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Don't you want to be? Don't you want to be at that place where Jesus is preparing a place for us? That's going to last and abide forever. This building we're in and years will fall. The biggest, fanciest skyscrapers buildings, it will fall. The word of God will stand forever. The place that Jesus prepares for us in heaven will be there forever. So let's take a look over at Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Starting with verse 1, it says, If there be the, therefore any consolation in Christ, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we are being told here, 
to esteem one another, to lift up each other, and to put our brothers and our sisters before ourselves. And if we're talking about those in Christ, that means we are talking about the church. So how do we esteem one another? Well, we compliment each other. We tell each brothers and sisters we love them. If there's a brother or sister sitting behind you or in front of you, tell them that you heard them singing and you like hearing them. Tell the one leading prayer that they did well. Tell the one bringing a lesson that you appreciate the time they spent on the lesson. Tell the ladies cleaning the church that you appreciate their efforts. This kind of appreciation and love towards one another is what we are to show towards one another. Right, yeah. And we should not wait to esteem one another or to do any of the Lord's work. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. So one of the big problems that I find today when I'm out and about and I invite people to church is that there is a total lack of urgency. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3, that's 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So you need to think about that for a second. If we knew a thief was coming in the middle of the night, some of us may have our protection ready with us. We may have a ball bat in our hand. We may put extra locks on the doors. We may even skip out and not be home. But see, we don't know when that is. You don't know when a thief's going to come. And believe me, I've had stuff stolen out of my yard. I've had stuff stolen around the house. I've had my car broke into. I hate it when that thief comes. But you don't know when it's going to come or else you'd be up waiting for it. We don't know when the Lord's coming or else we'd be here right now. He's coming today. This church building would be out. People would be out in the, in the parking lot. It'd be backed up on the street. People would be wanting to get in here and get saved as fast as soon as they could. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, we need to put urgency into people when we talk to them. Let them know that the Lord's going to come like the thief in the night. Just like it said, like we just read here in our Bibles. So this should not only serve as a warning to those outside of Christ, but to those also in the church. And what do I mean by that? If you're already in the church, well, there's a lot of work to be done in the church, brothers. We need to get busy. Because we don't know when the Lord's coming. Like we just said, be like a thief in the night. You may lose that chance to go knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, Christ loves you too. You need to come to church with me. So if there's work needed to do for the church, it needs to be done now. Let's don't wait because the Spirit, because once the Spirit has done left this body, it's too late. Once the Lord has come like a thief in the night, it's too late. If there is a lesson that needs to be brought, let's get it wrote. Let's bring it into church. Let's bring that lesson forward. And here us, the members of the church, we can't be slack. If there's positions to be filled, let's get them filled. We do not know what tomorrow will bring, or even if we'll live to see tomorrow. Because remember, 
the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. We don't know when. Right. You may not wake up tomorrow. On our long drive home, who knows what could happen. So we have to be ready constantly. As I said at the beginning, are you being all that you can be? Someone might say, so what is my motivation to do this? What's my motivation to be a Christian? What's my motivation to do work in the church? And I have one simple answer for that question. One simple word. Heaven. Because if you're not going to heaven, where are you going? If you're not striving to be a Christian, if you're not striving to go to heaven, if you're not striving to go where Jesus is preparing a room for us, then what are you striving for? Where are you going to end up at? There's a lot of people that thinks things here on this earth can't get any better, that their life is the best it's ever going to get. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Those people, oh, what they'll be missing out on while their souls are burning in the lake of fire. When their spirit's in that lake of fire burning, and they're in torment and we're not. You need to think about that. You need to put that urgency into everybody you can. Because you don't know when your life's going to end. And I'm going to tell you something. For the young people, you may not think it's a stylish thing, the end thing. You don't want people to make fun of you because you're a Christian. I'm going to tell you what. When the end of the world comes and you're in heaven and they're not, who's looking down and laughing then? Who's going to be in torment then? It's not going to be you. So you need to think about that. Life here on earth is extremely short. And we must understand the urgency to get ourselves right with the Lord. And those around us, we need to talk to them and help them get right with the Lord. I want to give you a little example here. I was talking about urgency and people paying attention. If you have ever flown, flown a commercial airline, if you remember that while the plane is sitting at the gate waiting to pull away the stewardess will probably come over to the loud intercom and will try to get your attention and that stewardess will try to tell you about safety features she may say something like your seat cushion also doubles as a flotation device she may end up telling you that if the cabin becomes uh, depressurized there'll be oxygen masks fall from the ceiling for you and she'll tell you to put yours on first before helping someone else. I want to take a minute and want you to think about that. Why would they tell you? Why would they tell you to put your mask on, your oxygen mask that will save your life, that'll keep you from passing out, that'll keep you alive? Why do they want you to put yours on first before helping someone else put theirs on? Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because you can't help someone else if you don't have yours on and you become unconscious because you've got no oxygen. As a Christian, we've got to get ourselves right. We've got to be in the right mind before we can help someone else. And we're accountable for our soul first, for our spirit first. We're accountable for it before we can help someone else. So we've got to get ourselves right. And once you've got yourself right, then the work of the church, the work of the Christian then begins. That's where then that we... Can start helping others. That's right, yeah. So let's go off my little story here I was telling you about. 
And so I was telling you that that stewardess would say, before you help someone else out, you got to get yourself your mask on first. And then while, if you're on an airplane, and while she's saying this, if you would look around, you would see that the vital information that she's given out, some people are just not paying attention. They would be looking away and putting their noses in newspapers and magazines and looking at their handheld electronic devices, texting away, looking at news or whatever, other people's messages they sent to them. They'd be totally ignoring what she's saying. Information that she would be giving to them that could save their own lives when the time would happen. In other words, they're giving no thought into what can be done to save their own lives. Now, you want to see that situation totally, totally turn around? See things get different? You let that airplane go up about 20,000 feet, pardon me, about 20,000 feet, and fly into a lightning storm, and lightning strike one of those engines, and then all of a sudden when you'd hear that pilot come over the intercom and say something like this, we're having difficulties. Please give your attention to the stewardess as she gives you instructions. I bet you would hear a pin drop to hear what she'd have to say. I bet there would be people in the back of the plane come rushing up front to hear what she has to say. Why would they be doing it then? Because they see the urgency. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when we talk to people, we've got to put that urgency in them to let them know. This same kind of urgency is what we are facing today. Let's look over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. That's Hebrews, pardon me, Hebrews 10, verse 37. It says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. That tarry means delay. Will not delay. He'll come. Let's also look over at Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So as I originally asked, asked you, what is keeping you from being all you can be? Don't let time be your excuse. Don't let think that I've got all kinds of time in the world because you don't. Remember what we read earlier. The time of the Lord coming is going to be like that thief in the night. We don't know the time they're going to come. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. We cannot let anything get in our way of letting this be all that we can be. Let's look in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
So we're not to stop being all we can be until we see Christ. We are constantly to study and to teach and preach and advance the good work of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know this phrase that I've been saying here, be all you can be? You know, that was the advertising slogan that the army used for the longest time. But how fitting. As Christians, we are fighting against all kinds of evil. In this world, we see evils constantly. And we need to be all we can be to fight against it. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. That's Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're going to look from 12 to verse 20. Starting with 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And notice that word wrestle, that'd be the same as fighting. So we, for we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual witnesses in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. In other words, be all you can be. Verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having all the breastplate, and have on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This right here. That's the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, your Bible. Verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So let's go back over this once more real quick. There in verse 12, it said, there in verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rule.